Success isn't what makes you happy. It really isn't. Success is doing what makes you happy and doing good work and hopefully having a fruitful life. If I felt like I've done good work, that makes me happy. The success part of it is all gravy. Philip Seymour Hoffman was born on July 23, 1967 in Fairport, New York. He would attend New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, and after graduating, he would work in off-Broadway theater while holding down customer service jobs for petty cash. It was his big break in 1992's Scent of a Woman that propelled him into the limelight and showed audiences and producers that Hoffman had a gift for characters. He would go on to have 64 credits to his name as an actor, one Academy Award win, three additional nominations, and a host of Golden Globe, Screen Actors Guild, and Tony Award wins and nominations. In 2006, he revealed his longtime struggle with substance abuse, namely alcohol and heroin. He had kicked drugs at age 22 and remained sober for 23 years until a sudden relapse in 2013 led to his admission into rehab for 10 days, and he was found dead on February 2nd, 2014 at age 46 with a syringe in his arm and two packets of heroin beside him. The loss of Hoffman was felt throughout the industry and still hurts today as we remember his monumental contribution to film and reflect on the incredible work we would have gotten had we not lost him so soon. Today, on our 50th episode, we dive into the considerable catalog of Hollywood's greatest character actor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm Connor Izagheri. And I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Weird Shit Wednesday is upon us, and with it comes the 50th official episode of the Filmgasm podcast, not counting our 38 bonus episodes. We wanted to do something special for both of us, so we chose one of our favorite actors, Philip Seymour Hoffman. We started prepping this podcast back in November of 2019 as we had 20 films to watch and we didn't want to cram it. I'm proud to say that both of us made it through all 20 films, which means we'll be leaving no stone unturned here. We won't be going into every film that Hoffman was involved in, just a selection of the ones that we believe are the most significant for his growth as an actor. If there's any favorites of yours that we missed, feel free to reach out to us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email at filmgasm at gmail.com, and we'll do a rewind update on that film. Same goes for Vincent Price, Roman Polanski, John Wayne, Quentin Tarantino, and the Coen brothers. We appreciate we appreciate any and all feedback. And we've done a lot of uh, highlights. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of big names there. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Before we dive into Hoffman, I've got two updates for you on the Rewind. First up, an update for Episode 9, Saw. The trailer for the new Chris Rock-led Saw flick has been released. The film is titled Spiral from the Book of Saw. The film stars Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson, Marisol Nichols, and Max Minghella, and is being directed by Saw franchise veteran Darren Lynn Boozman. It's set for release on May 15th of this year. I think it looks interesting, but time will tell if this entry brings the same grisly charm that the Saw franchise has become known for. Have you, uh, you seen this trailer? Yes. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I saw this trailer when I saw Birds of Prey. Um, I don't know. I'm going to probably see it because I like, yeah, I like that franchise a lot. I like some of their input. Yeah. But this looks like out of <laughs> out of Chris Rock's wheelhouse, like for a reason. <laughs> True, but so does season four of Fargo, and you're yeah, looking forward to that. Well, yeah, because Noah Hawley's in charge of that. I trust that. That trailer, he looked, he just looks silly. When it comes to Saw, I trust Darren Lynn Boozman. That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I, 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 that trailer looked, just wasn't like when he's like sees the box, it's like a gift, and he's like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Here we go. And then, yeah, and then Samuel L. It's going to be fun, I'm sure. I'll, I'll see it because we'll cover it here. Want to play games, motherfucker? We'll do a podcast on it for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm not I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. But I'm I'm bummed that it's not coming out in October. October's been that a too tradition. that too worries me. And I'm eight movies. I'm also not a huge Max Minghella fan. I don't really know who he is. Well, he's in Social Network. He's in the internship. He's yeah. I don't know. I don't know the name. So I've got no ill will yeah. as of now. I'm sure, when I see his face, I'll remember him something. But you know, I mean, I'm excited. They're doing something. They're not just leaving the franchise to die. They're not straight up rebooting it. I think I want them. I want Tobin Bell to be involved. Maybe he is. They're just not telling us. Yeah. Who knows? Saw's always been kind of weird and this looks no different. So we'll see. True. True. Next, an update on bonus episode 34 parasite parasite has made history as the first foreign language film to win the coveted best picture award at the Oscars this past Sunday. Woo! In addition, Parasite also took home Oscars for Best Original Screenplay, Best Director, and Best International Film, and it certainly deserved all of those awards. Yes. For more on the 92nd Academy Awards, check out our upcoming post-Oscars recap episode dropping this Sunday. Suffice it to say, we enjoyed the show, and we're very happy Parasite took home the the top honor. (laughs) Yeah, that was really cool. What a moment. Something I'll never forget. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know. Something's going to change the game. Yeah, I think, like, you know, a huge percentage of people... Just, just for like, yeah, it's 1917, you know, that's what the Academy does. They, you know, it's like a classic good movie filmed really well. And it's about, about war and no, they went with like the kind of a little bit more obscure. I do feel like a bit of a heel for using an entire episode saying, yeah, 1917 is going to win with absolute assurance. We both thought it was in the bag. (laughs) We both thought it was in the bag. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't have been upset with any of the nine, but Parasite's like the coolest possible outcome. Yeah. Uh, guy, love that movie. Watched it that night right when I got home. Just <laughs> stellar. Even better on a rewatch. You know, it's just, oh, yes. you, know, you know. Especially the little things you notice. Yeah, yeah. Ah. I showed it to my family, all of whom had never seen it. Yeah. And it kind of discounted it because they, did, they didn't know anything about it. And I had to convince them, like, you got to see this. And the whole time they were like, whoa. Yeah. Wow, they were laughing. They were freaked out. Yeah. It was cool. And at the end, they were all like, this was great. <laughs> it's yeah. that kind of movie. Yep. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. It, it's been, it's, it's something all I will be talking about forever. People will talk about forever. And now it's cemented in history and time forever. Because when you look on the internet and you go down the line of best picture winners, you're going to see, you know, <laughs> Spotlight, Shape of Water, Green Book, bam. Parasite. Yeah. <laughs> Parasite. Fantastic. So cool. So cool. That is it for the rewind. And as I said, we'll be talking in depth about the Oscars this Sunday. Yeah. I need some time to like actually think about it. Cause a long yeah. show is like three hours and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I need to think about, I've been trying to think in my head, like what's an ideal Oscars? What is my ideal award show? Because some of it's just like, uh, there's always there's, one or two moments. There's those kind of lulls. Yeah. And you're like, I want this to be awesome. Cause I love yeah. it. You know, and I watch it every year. It almost it, feels like they're filling time sometimes. Yeah. which doesn't make sense. Cause it's a three hour show. Well, it, and, but then they do stuff like, uh, I wanted to point out, um, they, they left out in the memoriam. Yeah. Sid Haig, you know, Sid Haig didn't make well, it. What are we doing? Memoriam. What are we doing there? You know? Yeah. That was annoying. I didn't like that. Yeah. You leave people out. That's hard. And that's like, well, you know, why don't you, why don't you have time for that when you're adding, <laughs> when you're adding, you know, 19 
musical performances. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We'll save it. We're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah, thing. exactly. We need but time to we like. We definitely really, got shit to say. I think I'm going to watch them again too, just to kind of. Because I was so I was so amped about Parasite winning that I forgot about the rest of the show. I was just like, <laughs> yes, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. I kind of want to go back, watch all the speeches again, do that whole bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I know Joaquin's was rather, uh, it was pretty, pretty, he rambled quite a bit, but he got some points across. He rambled a lot less than Renee Zellweger did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll definitely, had, we'll definitely get to that. He actually yeah. had something to say. Yes, he did. <laughs> I wish it would have been a little more focused, a little more honed in because there were a couple of times, but then he finished it off great, you know? So yeah, we'll get to all that stuff. It's going to be fun. So prior to this episode, you were already a massive fan of Philip Seymour Hoffman, correct? Yeah, as big as as big as it can get. <laughs> right on. Was there anything that we watched for this that was a first time watch for you? Yes, Jack Goes Boating and The Savages. Both of those were my first time. Interesting. That's it. That's it. That's it. Fuck. Yeah. You've seen eighteen out of the twenty before yeah. we did this. That's insane. Well, five of them are Paul Thomas Anderson movies. True. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's crazy i hadn't seen most of them like this was i know i know very but you, rewarding but you, experience but, for me but you have a connection to him because he's worked with the cohen's yeah. the ones that i have seen yeah. I, I adored this guy for years well that's what he's done is he's you you can study him if you want and that's what i suggest people should do because he takes nothing away from any movie no the movie might not be great the best example one we're going to talk about mission impossible 3 not a great movie but he is Absolutely frightening. Yeah. And you place him anywhere and, he, you know, he's doing his job really well. You he's know? the salt of acting. Yeah. All he just, does is improve what you add him into. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's amazing. He really is. And I, 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 I like, actually, like, love him. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. He's one of, probably the only actor I feel the way I do about him. It's hard to explain. I don't know if, I don't know if you have a guy like that where you're just like, this. he's untouchable. Like, I just... If so, I, I'm going to defend his work to the day I die. There's a couple. I've got a couple of those, yeah. I just, I can't. Yeah, I love him. He he expresses emotion, like human emotion better than anybody I've ever seen. He did everything. He did everything, including playing a heroin addict. He did everything on the screen. He did everything on the stage, you know? Um, this man never phoned it in, not even once. Even in his, like, weird comedy appearances, he was still, like, the best part. yeah. Like, we're not going to, it's not on our list, but Along Came Polly, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His role as uh, Ben Stiller's weird friend. Splendid. It's hilarious. He steals the whole movie. Splendid. Yeah. That's where He's... I first heard the term sharded. <laughs> Thank you, PSH. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that early in my, my life. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, he's great. Yeah. So, what were the ones that you were like, uh, obviously you're really attached to Lebowski. What else are yeah. you really attached to going into this project? Uh, Red Dragon. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Of course. That's been a fa- long time favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I hadn't, I had watched Punch, uh, Punch Drunk Love prior to the podcast because you had recommended it. Yeah. And I, I couldn't believe him. That was so great. His, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you just tell me to go fuck myself? <laughs> That's not good. Uh, he's the best at freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And he says the word fuck better than anybody else. His face turns red faster than anyone on the screen. He Ugh. he he can look fat and skinny at the same time. He can 
he he's clear. He's like one of my favorite quotes ever is on Space Jam when Bill Murray says, "Larry Bird's not white. Larry's Larry clear. Bird's clear. Larry's clear. He knows <laughs> he has he's a person. He's a human. He's an he's like a separate entity. That's what PSH is. He's this guy. He's just this chameleon from I would say like the transformation from Scotty J to Lancaster Dodd is like Come on, man. Hard to believe it's the same man. Come on. You know, it's 20 years. You know, not even. You know, it's it's not. It doesn't even seem right that a guy could go to those places uh, in that span of time, like every single year. Yeah. Uh, and not just do it as the character actor, but then later on become the lead guy. Become the Academy Award-winning actor. Yeah, doubt, you know. To win on his first nomination. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Just, just an actor's actor. Uh, Absolutely proved it on proved it on every scale. He did he did stage. Yeah. He did TV. He did film. He's one of the most highly respected actors in the business. Everybody thought he was gold. Yeah, everybody looked up to him. Yeah, and it's and it's not even like uh, what I, what I love about that. And I love that you said that when you haven't even going into this, you hadn't seen half the ones we're doing. Yeah, and but you know that, and you understand that because you've heard you've heard the greats say that. It's not your everyday fan who's like. Philip Seymour Hoffman's my favorite actor, you know, yeah, because he's not in, you know, he's not in big com- giant giant blockbusters. Compared to movies. some of the other episodes we've done, like John Wayne, for instance, yeah, I had heard for years that John Wayne was this legendary actor, this hero. Yeah, I watched his movies and I learned about him, and that's very much not the case for me. Oh, it's not he true was a at all. Prick, and yeah. he was a bad actor. And I heard that same thing about Philip Seymour Hoffman, and that was real. He it's really true. was an amazing actor with an incredible filmography, an artist who was respected yeah. by every actor in Hollywood. And yeah, yeah, I love that I got to experience all of his great work for this. Like now that I have that, I feel better. Oh, what a treat! Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm never gonna stop watching them. I own a lot of them, a lot of them. I, I seek out his movies, even if I'm not. My one one of my favorite examples is a movie that I think we're gonna talk about is Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, I own that movie. I don't. I don't. I'm not particularly in love with that film. I think it's good, but he, (laughs) I have to own that movie because of that certain moments of him. I need that. I need that in my life. I don't want to look it up on YouTube. I need to be able to put the disc in and, uh, fucking fast forward to that part. And you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're (laughs) talking about. And I, I do that. Like I, you know, I love, I, I like watch him. I watch him like he's fucking Michael Jordan. Like I'm watching him perform. Like I'm watching, singling him out and studying this guy. Cause he's a great, and I'm going to go ahead and say now, just get out of the way. He's, he's my favorite and he's the best for me from what I've seen. Yeah. I, I do have a lot of work to do on other actors. There's guys from the past. Like there's plenty of people who a generation above us would be like, well, what about like Cary Grant? You know, have you seen all of his? No, I haven't. But from what I've seen in my, so far first 25 years of my life, Philip Seymour Hoffman's the best. I've seen him do everything. He's done everything, man. Like, <laughs> and he's good at it all. It's not he's never like you said. He's never he never phones it in. He never. That's not in his vocabulary. You no, know, he, he doesn't. He's a all like worker. He believed in making a good product. Yeah, and, and you saw that even with the people who decided to work with him, the writers, the directors. Paul Thomas Anderson was like, "I'm gonna go with that guy because I know what I'm getting." Every time, like he and, worked with him more and, than anybody. But and look at the characters he's playing. What the fuck? <laughs> For PTA to trust him, like, I'm writing parts for this guy. Because, like, yeah, throw it at him. He'll, he'll probably figure it out. What a treat. What an awesome thing to have. And what well, makes you wonder how much 
of his input went into Lancaster Dodge. Yes. Yes. Scotty J. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like how much he was like, "Ah, I think, I think I'm going to do this. And it's like, well, yeah, man. Yeah. Do, do what you got to do. The voice he, the voice he consciously chose and did the entire film for Capote. Yeah. What the hell? You know, what? Fuck. Without further ado, let's get into these films. I don't know. (laughs) So, Oh my gosh. Philip Seymour Hoffman rarely spoke about his personal life to the press. He was in a relationship with costume designer Mimi O'Donnell for 14 years. They had three kids together. They had separated upon his 2013 relapse in an effort to protect their children from the situation. When asked why he was so private about even his political beliefs, Hoffman said, quote, the less you know about me, the more interesting it will be to watch me do what I do. Hmm. It's true. Very interesting. Amazing. Minor trivia here, but thought it worth mentioning. Hoffman was a massive fan of Breaking Bad. Nice. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah. Before God, we get can in- you imagine if he was like Hank? Holy fuck, man. <laughs> Jesus. I love Dean Norris with all my heart, but... Well, <laughs> logically, I mean, if, you know, Vince Gilligan found out Phil Seymour Hoffman was a fan, there's no reason to think Hoffman couldn't have been a part of Better Call Saul. He probably would have jumped yeah. in. Yeah. Or El Camino or... Yeah. Oh, man. See, that... There's a route I could have gone for. Alfredo. He could have been Chuck. He could have been the bad guy. That's okay. I'm I'm down with that because he's because he's awesome. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, yeah. Just oh yeah. There's so many. <laughs> there's so the what ifs with him yeah. hurt my head. They I know. Because because like ah, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, <laughs> has a lot of movies left to make, and he's already made. Since then, he's you know I made two. You know, so yeah, it's like ah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. So before we get into the films, I want to point out that we, again that we won't be discussing the films themselves that much in this episode. No, there's no need to because we on this podcast obviously are down to talk about anything. Yeah. So we're gonna have them at some yeah. point most in some these, fashion. Most of these have enough potential to be future episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're primarily discussing solely Hoffman's performances in these twenty movies. Meaning we don't really want to go down the path of Lebowski quotes. <sighs> We're, we're going to have some, but we're not going to go that much into it. I don't want to go full Walter on everybody, <laughs> just because that's, you know. We won't be entering a world of pain today, but in the future, yes. Uh. <laughs> so Hoffman's big break was 1992's Scent of a Woman, but that's not where our watch list begins. <clears throat> I'll say, I've seen Scent of a Woman. I have not. I made the watch list. Yes. I'll say, this is his breakout. This obviously, he's working with Al Pacino. Al Pacino wins his Oscar for this film. Big deal. I think the reason it's a big deal, I don't think the movie's that good, but I think it's a, the reason it's a big deal is because of who he was working with and that he shined amongst to them. To start out in an Al Pacino yeah, film, yeah, that's fucking, yes. wow. That's that's what was a big deal. Mm-hmm. You, Of course, you can watch it anytime you want. I just don't think it's up to the calendar. But not only that, like to start out in an Al Pacino film, but also to be recognized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To stand out. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, sh- that's what I mean. She shined amongst him. Yeah. You know? An Oscar winner. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> the Al Pacino. Yeah. God, like right before he went completely fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we decided to start a little later, about five years later, with 1997's Boogie Nights, a film that follows fictional porn star Dirk Diggler through his highs and lows in the sleazy San Fernando Valley porn industry in the late 70s and early 80s. The film also stars Mark Wahlberg, Burt Reynolds, Julianne Moore, Heather Graham, John C. Riley, Don Cheadle, William H. Macy, Thomas Jane, and Alfred Molina. <laughs> Three hours later. <laughs> it was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It was nominated for three Oscars. Best Supporting Actor for Burt Reynolds. Best Supporting Actress for Julianne Moore. 
and Best Original Screenplay. It has an IMDb score of 7.9, Rotten Tomatoes score of 93%. I give it an 8. Hoffman plays Scotty J, an awkward gay boom mic operator with a massive crush on Dirk Diggler. And this was the point where we decided to start this watch list. So tell us about Scotty J. Scotty J. First time we see Scotty J is at a pool party uh, at, you know, Burt Reynolds' house. Great scene. Great character introduction. Awesome music. Cocaine everywhere. Cocaine everywhere. Uh, yeah. You know, porn stars. You know, you got, you got Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley chilling poolside. Dirk Diggler. And yeah, Scotty J. Literally, there's like a, you know, I think I talked about this recently. Yeah. Because we did our top 10 of the 90s. <laughs> uh, the like telescope shot that he does. And he looks at Dirk Diggler. And from there, it's like, that's, that's what I'm going after in this movie. Yeah. And throughout the whole film, that's kind of his goal is to like try to hook up with, uh, with Dirk Diggler because he has you know this special penis, this gift. Everyone has their one special gift. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes it's like a thirteen-inch cock. So yeah, and you know you Scotty, you Scotty J is, you know he's he's after it. Yeah, determined. Very determined. And of course, we're gonna highlight the scene at the New Year's party. Yeah. Uh, Scotty J buys a new new vehicle, very nice car that he wants to show to Dirk Diggler, of course. Because I'm going to start calling him Eddie Adams because he's like, do you want to see my car, man? You know, I got this new beautiful car. <laughs> and, you know, comes out. They look at it. It's just them two. And it's out. You know, it's nighttime and New Year. So everybody's been drinking and he, he just tries to kiss him. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark Wahlberg's <laughs> like, what the fuck, Scotty? <laughs> you know, freaks out. Really good acting for Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. And he, you know, storms off and. He's, you know, I just want to show you my car, man. And then he gets his, gets into the car. And he that's tries to play it off with like, oh, I'm just really drunk. Don't, don't pay and attention then, to this. And then PSH tur- like turns it on. Yeah. And this is the whole turning point of the entire movie is that night, the New Year's party, because we have that moment where it's like denial, rejection. Uh, you're not quite with us. You're not quite amongst us, even though you're in us. You're like in our group. You're not as like, you're not in the 1%. Yeah. You're not Dirk Diggler. You no. can't. No, you can't. Come on, man. You, you stand you stand behind the camera. You can't kiss me, yeah. which later in the film Dirk Diggler would have kissed him for something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Watch that movie a lot now, you know. And it the, these characters like they're they're all there for a reason very much so. And you know, Scotty Jay's in his car and yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, just turns on it's like a switch and starts starts acting. Well, no, he like stops acting and becomes <laughs> Becomes something else, and he keeps saying, "I'm, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. I'm a fucking idiot." He and becomes like, a sad, lonely gay man in a world where you, you're, if you're openly gay, you're, you're gonna be turned down by you know, jobs and, also, and especially in this industry. And people, yeah, and people are gonna turn away from you. And he took a chance, and it backfired on him big time. He took a chance on the hot shot, the yeah. big, the big time, yeah. And now it, yes, he, he hates himself for doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all of that comes through with just one line repeated over and over again, alone in a car. I'm a fucking idiot. Incredible. Unbelievable stuff. Then, yeah, again, that that begins the snowball effect in the film. Then William H. Macy famously shoots himself. And then the film just turns upside down. And PSH comes up again. And he's just... His hair... That kiss was the kiss of death. His hair. P.S. In this movie, Scotty J., his outfits, oh my, like, <laughs> he looks great, man. Super <laughs> small it. tank top. Yeah. He, just, he, <laughs> looks like a, he looks like a kid in a candy store. Just like, hey, man, yeah. <laughs> so goofy. When he's shopping with, with John C., and they're, like, looking for, like, real expensive shirts and pants, it's just 
he's just just a joy to watch. And then he does that, you know, he turns it on. And you're like, just makes me weep because I'm I'm there. He convinces me. And uh, what what a place to start? Because yeah, this is the this is the beginning of his his Paul Thomas. You know, he was in a hard eight as well. And then this this the beginning of his Paul Thomas Anderson relationship. Yeah, and what a tandem it was. Ooh. One of my favorite, maybe my favorite. I don't know. I mean. That's hard. That's an interesting thought. Actually. It's a hell of a, you know, director and muse combo. Yeah. Cause you think about like, you know, the, the Tarantino and Samuel L and the Tarantino and Leo now. And Scorsese and De Niro. Yeah. And Scorsese and Leo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Leo comes up a lot. I think I re- I really like that PT, uh, yeah, PTA and PSH combo. Do you like it better than like PTA and DDL? <laughs> See, there's more. It's hard. It's true. PSH is in so, he, he's so versatile in all of those. I can go from the master and I can go to Scotty J, you know, that's, yeah, that's an interesting thought though. Just like yeah. kind of game to play in your head. But yeah. Boogie Nights, man. Uh, Scotty J, there's nothing more I can say about him. He's amazing. If I could rank him as a character, I'd give him like a nine out of 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? What would you give the film? 10. Yeah. Solid I have a 10. I think I, I think I have a review on film guys. Yeah, I, I, I've raved about this movie ever since I saw it. I do think, that Scotty J like has to be there. I think there's certain characters, including Alfred Molina's character, that are just kind of turn it, which is they're kind of like the catfish of the movie that just kind of keep everybody on their feet. <laughs> and you need that. Those, that's how people are in life. That's what makes films interesting, keeps them going. And I think Scotty J is one of those gears that um, makes it makes it more interesting to rewatch as well because his performance is stunning. Yeah, just the way he's holding holding the when he first sees Dirk. And he like sees sees his genitals, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And he's like about to like drop them. He's like salivating. He's like about to drop the mic. Yeah, you know. And he he just I just he convinces me. You know, I'm all in. It's like when Belloc opened the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) He's just staring at it with such awe. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, (laughs) that's great. Hoffman followed Boogie Nights with an unforgettable turn as a supporting player in the 1998 Coen Brothers masterpiece, The Big Lebowski a film in which a lazy pothead bowler called The Dude gets wrapped up in a kidnapping scheme after two thugs break into his apartment and piss on his rug, mistaking him for the richest man in town. The film also stars Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, Julianne Moore, David Huddleston, Tara Reid, Peter Stormare, John Turturro, Sam Elliott, and John Polito. Never seen that one. <laughs> Is it good? It's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> Not bad, quotable. <laughs> Uh, the IMDb score of 8.1, Rotten Tomatoes score 82%, easy 10 for me. Uh, yeah. We've talked about this many times. <laughs> Not even close. And, and yeah, and PSH. Yeah. Hoffman plays Brant, the over, overly emotional and dedicated assistant to the Big Lebowski himself. And it's another scene-stealing performance. Yeah. He's just this bootlicker dude. His, his who, face. <laughs> the way he moves yeah. his glasses, yeah. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. That's marvelous. <laughs> My favorite moment, though, is when the Big Lebowski's in seclusion and he's going, yeah. "Strong men also cry," and it looks back, and Brant is like holding back tears, looking down at the floor. <laughs> we should all be so lucky to have a manservant like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh man! Uh, when he's showing the dude all of his all of the Big Lebowski's various. <laughs> And he's just, he, he's so excited. He's so happy to be showing off somebody else's yeah. awards. Somebody else's work. It's yeah. such a great little part. Makes me wish that he'd worked with the Coens a lot more. Oh, man. <laughs> Who knows? 
Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Lebowski. <laughs> the fact that we haven't done this as a full episode yet is criminal. We got to get on that. We just haven't found an opportunity, but yeah, uh, n- n- we will. I can't wait. We will. Uh, uh, Brent. Yeah. Brant is awesome. He's on the screen for like eight minutes. Who is this gentleman, dude? <laughs> Who am I? I'm a fucking veteran. He's. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, and he's like, tell- he's telling the dude to not touch everything. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, smiling. Yeah. Oh man. Tell you the truth, Brand. I don't remember most of it. Uh, beautiful. What a film. What a performance. Yeah. Had to put that one in there. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's essential to his growth as an as a performer yeah. in the late '90s. Yes, and and yeah, becoming like a master character actor and working with the best directors in the world. Yeah. From '97 to '99, the guy had a hell of a stretch of just bit parts. Yes, and he made the most of those bit parts. Yeah, he's like you know, in in basketball, there's always they always give out the sixth man award, the guy who comes off the bench and is really effective. And, and that's kind of what PSH's role is. He's like, I I'll be just as good as someone who started and got an hour of runtime with my 20 minutes. I'll make sure. Yeah. I'll make sure that mine is just as effective that you remember that you remember my time. That that's like always true with these. That's perfect. Next up is another masterpiece from Paul Thomas Anderson, who is going to come up a lot in this episode. Yeah. It's his 1999 magnum opus Magnolia, which tells the story of several strangers as they search for meaning in their depressing lives over the course of one day in California. The film also stars Tom Cruise, Julianne Moore, William H. Macy, Philip Baker Hall, Jason Robards, John C. Riley, Melora Waters, Jeremy Blackman, Michael Bowen, Melinda Dillon, Alfred Molina, Ricky Jay, Felicity Huffman, and Henry Gibson. It was nominated for three Oscars, Best Supporting Actor for Tom Cruise, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Original Song for Save Me by Amy Mann. IMDb score of 8.0, Rotten Tomatoes score 83%. I give this an 8 Hoffman plays Phil Parma, nurse to the dying millionaire Earl Partridge. And this is all yours, man. <laughs> so Earl Partridge is played by Jason Robards, who passed away right after Magnolia came out. Uh, what a cool... What He got to work you know, with PTA and PSH and have conversations. And then the conversations that Robards had with, with PTA became what happened plot-wise in The Master. Yeah which is really cool. And then having PSH acting in the film Magnolia, which is my favorite movie of all time. I, yeah, I can't say enough about it, but yeah, I'm going to talk about PSH. Phil, so Phil Parma is his nurse working with him. This character is also dying, just like Jason Robards was dying in real life. Uh, this is one of his most subtle performances. Yeah. One of his most underrated because it is so subtle. Uh, it, takes, it takes focus to really understand what he's doing in the film. But in particular, there's there's one scene I really like where he's on the phone um, asking. He's getting a delivery, and he's asking for cigarettes, and he's asking for this or that. <laughs> and they're like decoys. And then he asks for magazines, The Hustler, and yeah. this and that, because he's looking for ads to find Earl Partridge's son, who is played by Tom Cruise, Frank, Frank T.J. T.J. Mackey. <laughs> Respect the cock. <laughs> Tame the cunt. <laughs> and so there's this, you know, this intertwining thing that happens and it brings this wonderful moment of acting from Tom Cruise where what it says on the internet, what it says and what I've heard from all these guys say in interviews is that, uh, you know, PTA, you know, was like, Hey Tom, I know what's on this. I know what, I know what I wrote, but use, use your own angst with your father for this scene. 
because um, he's because he, if you've seen the film, you have. I have. Yeah. Screaming at his dad. Yeah. Telling him that you know I I hate your fucking guts, and you have Philip Seymour Hoffman who on the on the script is supposed to leave the room, but he just is standing there like a dummy, like almost like a kid, like with like this, you know, with his hand like by his like on his mouth, like well, like what. And he's watching this this amazing moment that he didn't know was going to happen. He didn't quite know Tom Cruise is going to go to that place. And PSH just stands there. Dude, I didn't know Tom Cruise could go to that place. Neither did I. I don't think anyone did. Yeah. But I think PTA, for whatever reason, thought he could or, or believed somewhere it was there. I mean, look at the way he's dressed up. PTA was like, I'm really putting you out there, buddy. Like, you know, and and for PSH to, like, that, that strong of... It's just the supporting. He's like the textbook definition supporting guy. For him to just stand there. No, I'm not gonna leave. It'd be cool if I'm in the frame. Just, just kind of shook, because he's the only one we relate to. Yeah. Because the dad, Jason Robards, is just getting annihilated, and he's dying. He can't say anything. He can't defend himself. Yeah. And Tom Cruise is just going in on him. You know. So there's nowhere for us to look. Fills the audience. Yeah, yeah. Phil, Phil Parma is is us, and he's really us for me in the whole film because we're just kind of like he's the only one that's like kind of thinking. You know, <laughs> everybody else is so fucking everyone else agitated, re- and, reacting. Yeah, yeah. he's thinking. Yeah. yeah, he's contemplating. It's a great film, and I've I've seen it you know plenty of times now. And I, again, he's a guy I re I, when I rewatch, I'm like, ugh, this guy's skill is beyond beyond measure. And there's again, this is like a subtle performance, but had to throw it in there. It's my favorite movie. Uh, again, the PTA, they clearly have a connection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes from, they bring the, out the best in each other. Yeah. He goes from the Scotty J to this, you know, that's really cool. Amazing. <laughs> what sure. a, one awesome sense of a woman, Boogie Nights, Big Lebowski, Magnolia. You know, come on. And then now what we have next, what do we have? Mr. Ripley. Yep. 1999 was a strong year for Hoffman, as he also appeared in the haunting crime thrower, the talented Mr. Ripley which a con man named Tom Ripley takes on the identity of spoiled rich kid Dickie Greenleaf in order to live a lavish lifestyle. But as the lies start catching up with him, how far is Tom willing to go? The film also stars Matt Damon, Jude Law, Gwyneth Paltrow, Kate Blanchett, Jack Davenport, James Rebhorn, and Philip Baker Hall. It's a remake of the 1960 French thriller uh, thriller Purple Noon Mm -hmm. and is based on the novel by Patricia Highsmith. It was nominated for five Oscars, Best Supporting Actor for Jude Law, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score for Gabriel Yared. IMDb score 7.4, Rotten Tomatoes score 83%, 8 for me. Hoffman plays Freddie Miles, an obnoxious jazz enthusiast who befriends the real Dickie Greenleaf, leading to some vicious resentment from Tom Ripley. Freddie Miles. Such a weird, (sighs) annoying guy. Don't you just want to fuck everything once? <laughs> just to see what it's like. Oh. But the confrontation when Freddie knows Tom's lying about Dickie not being in town. Yeah. And that, that bit right there is maybe my favorite part of the film. Oh, easily. You keep wondering easily. who's going to go off first. Yeah, when people, when people talk about the most rewatchable scene being the boat scene, fuck no. <laughs> fuck no. It's when PSH knows what's, knows what's going yeah. on. Because it's escalated to a whole different level. Because he knows Tom like nobody else does. He watched him, you know, yes. peeping. How's that old scene? Yes. And how's the peeping? Yeah, how's the peeping, Tom? <laughs> the piano? Yeah. Ugh. But he knows that Tom Ripley is a scumbag. Yes. And he's not, and he's not who he says he is. No, like, he, he knows kno- he's a liar. Yeah. 
So he's investigating this of his own accord. And you know that. He knows that. You know that he knows that. Yes. Everyone knows exactly it's, what's being it's said here. classic cinema. Like, yeah. Ah, you know, like everything's on the table. Here we go. It's and like a one-act play. It's yeah, crazy. It's, it's brilliant. And PSH, like who better in that, that environment? <laughs> oh, boy. And then he gets his skull bashed in because he, yes. he pushed too far. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Love that scene. This was, I'm glad I got to revisit this movie. Me too. Because I saw this for the first time about five, six years ago and I didn't appreciate it that much. Uh-huh. I thought it was a little boring. Uh-huh. And I decided to rewatch it again for this and I liked it way more. Yeah, so I felt the same way, but remember I did because um, I felt so strong about 2019 and I was like researching the nines are cool. Yeah. And I did 1999 and so I, I rewatched some 99 films and this is one of them and I was like, damn, <laughs> I really like this. I, and it snuck in. It was my number five. Uh, boy, oh boy. I love every performance, but yeah, he's he's doing so much with so little. It's It's absurd. That scene is awesome. Definitely, yeah, I, I, whenever I talk about the film, that's what I talk about, is that, how's the peeping? <laughs> I love it. I love it. He, yeah, he's, he's so ridiculous. He's just, so, yeah. But, but like you said, the fact that we know that he knows and uh, it's all on the yeah. table, brilliant. They're just not explicitly saying, like, you are lying right yeah, now, Tom. Yeah. yeah. Like, Dickie doesn't play the piano. Ah, <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man, great. Next up is 2000's Cameron Crowe masterwork, Almost Famous, which follows a young aspiring journalist as he tours with up-and-coming rock band Stillwater in the early 70s. The film also stars Patrick Fugit, Kate Hudson, Billy Crudup, Francis McDormand, Jason Lee, Noah Taylor, Zoe Deschanel, Jimmy Fallon, and Anna Paquin. It won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay and was nominated for three more, Best Supporting Actress for Kate Hudson, Best Supporting Actress for Francis McDormand, and Best Film Editing. IMDb score 7.9, Rotten Tomatoes 89%, 8 from me. Hoffman plays Lester Bangs, a self-proclaimed uncool rock DJ who befriends our hero, William Miller, and warns him not to fall under the spell of rock and roll. And again, so much with so little. Lester Bangs is a one-note character that Philip Seymour Hoffman turns into my favorite character in the whole movie. By far my favorite character in the (laughs) the, the movie, yeah. Ugh. He's yeah, he's he's like a voice for like you said, the uncool for the for the people who are yeah. for the people who are into this world but don't quite fit in uh, uh into it, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Off the pit, like I'm glad you were home. I'm always home, I'm uncool. Yeah, man. That no. whole phone call. I'm always listening to music. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to you know, like I don't I'm 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 uncool. I get it. It's cool to see that like explained well in a movie like this. By Philip Seymour Hoffman. By Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, yeah. He's the fucking, you know, unsung hero of the uncool. It's perfect. I love pairing this role with Pirate Radio. Oh, fuck yeah. Such a cool... Ah, so cool. <laughs> this is where the count ends up. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a little depressing, but I get. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck, man, nice. <laughs> oh, almost famous. Yeah, that scene on the phone is it. That's yeah. It. That's the movie. That's the movie right there for me. It is. That's what I remember. I, I like Almost Famous. I'd probably give it a seven. I think it's a little like phony at times. I actually, I actually don't like the McDormand performance. I think it's kind of like I don't know. I feel like she she kind of straddled the line between like good mom and like Carrie's mom, and I yeah. wanted to see like commit to one of those. <laughs> yeah, you can't I, have both. Yeah, it's like too. She didn't have enough time to, for me to like. Yeah, whereas like PSH is committed to the uncool. Yeah. He knew his character. 
But I love, like, I think this is Billy Crudup's best work. I, I like, like Jason Lee a lot in this. I really like Jason Lee. Yeah. yeah. I really, yeah, I'll say that for sure. I enjoy him a lot. The scene where they're, like, you know, almost in a plane crash and they all just confess their shit. That's perfect filmmaking right there. That's Crazy. a great scene. Crazy. <laughs> I'm gay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so man. great. Yeah. We love Lester Banks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next, we go back to Paul Thomas Anderson with his 2002 dramedy Punch Drunk Love, which follows a self-made salesman with psychological troubles as he falls in love and tries to get out of being extorted by a phone sex line run by a scumbag mattress salesman. The film also stars Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, Louis Guzman, and Mary Lynn Rockstrup. IMDb score 7.3, Rotten Tomatoes 79%. I give it an 8. Hoffman plays Dean Trumbell, the piece of shit mattress salesman who also runs a phone sex line to extort rich businessmen. Yes. And this is one of his most hilarious roles and maybe his sleaziest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I phone think call with Adam Sandler is the entire fucking movie and it's, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, this movie, I love, I love Punch Drunk Love. Uh, lots of pudding involved. Yeah, for no apparent reason other than like he's trying to get airline points. <laughs> Does he ever get those points? Yes, he does. He does. He does. Good for him. Good for him. He does. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're right though. That yeah. that that is like the most epic. Watching Adam Sandler in 2002, mind you. Yeah. And PSH just screaming at each other, yeah. and, and you know, Adam Sandler says, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fuck myself. He's taken aback by that. Like, whoa. Did you just say that? And he's like, did you just tell me to go fuck myself? <laughs> yeah. That's not good. <laughs> and they've exchanged, you know, screaming. Shut up! Yeah. Shut up! Shut, shut the shut, fuck! Shut, up. shut, 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 shut up! <laughs> just over and over again. It's fucking brilliant. My God. How much of that do you think was scripted and how much. PSH just threw in there. <laughs> I don't know, but once he got going, it's probably so much, oh. so much fun. Shut, shut, shut. And then at the end, when uh, Barry goes to confront him, and he just gets like, "Okay, well, yeah, yeah." <laughs> His true colors come out, but then he tries to have one last jab at him, <laughs> and Barry runs right back in there. And he's like, "No, I get it, I get it. We're done, we're done." <laughs> oh, ah, oh, I love it. He's a dog on a leash who doesn't know what to do when the leash comes off. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah, this was a fun watch. Punch Drunk, yeah, is, is wild. It's a weird movie, and it's sad at times, but it, it, it makes you laugh. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I'd say so. Well, I, like, I, like when Adam Sandler breaks the glass at his sister's house. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, There's just so much pent up anger in this movie. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, I honestly never thought Adam Sandler had this kind of performance in him, and then no, when you well, see yeah. this, and then you watch Uncut Gems, and you're like, "There's an actor in there." Yeah, you know what's really cool is, um, like he, yeah, he did this with, you know, of course Paul Thomas, and then uh, Adam Sandler. He was in uh, 2017. He was in Meyerowitz Stories with Noah Baumbach. Yeah, and then yeah, and then Uncut Gems with Softy. It's like. Every so often, he's working with like an auteur or like someone who's out there. And uh, can we get that a little more often? Yeah, I'm okay if you want to make your money, man. I know he likes to work like a lot. And he wants to be in a lot of yeah. stuff, and 
he's like addicted to working. But there's only so but, many Jack and Jills I can take. Yeah, it's like, can we get like one out of three? Yeah. You know? Because mm-hmm. I feel like we get one out of ten. Yeah. More, more, more so. We get so I, many shitty Netflix movies. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get, you know, occasionally uncut gems. Yeah, no, it, you know, I love Billy Madison. I love Happy Gilmore. Oh, his 90s stretch was but awesome. Yeah, but yeah, since like 2000, whatever. Yeah, you yeah. know, like don't mess with the Zohan, all that. Yeah, After yeah. like, I think Chuck and Larry is the one where he just stopped giving a fuck. Yeah, yeah, goes downhill from there. <laughs> but yeah, then you have the random gems like this, you know, and yeah. uncut gems. And- Fantastic. And PSH just enhances it. The flavor enhancer. <sighs> Lord almighty. God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, watching two guys like that scream. Scream at each other. It was, yeah, like you said, it had to be improvised. A lot of that had to just be like, guys, have fun. <laughs> Have, a, have an aggressive conversation on the phone. <laughs> shut, shut, shut. Yeah. <laughs> I need to count how many it is just to get it down. The rage in his eyes. Yeah. He wants to punch his hair. The phone. His hair is incredible. The, the blazer. Yeah, the button down. His belly just a little bit over. Perfect. <laughs> He's, I believe it. I believe that this guy would totally sell mattresses, you yeah. know? And run a phone sex line yes. to blackmail people. Yes. Why not? Yeah. yeah. Hoffman followed that with his first real horror movie, 2002's Red Dragon. Here we go. The third installment of the Hannibal Lecter franchise that tells the story of how Lecter was caught by FBI agent Will Graham, who now needs his help to catch the elusive and sadistic Red Dragon. The film also stars Anthony Hopkins, Edward Norton, Ray Fiennes, Harvey Keitel, Emily Watson, and Mary Louise Parker. Not bad. The film is directed by Brett Ratner and is based on the novel by Thomas Harris. IMDb score 7.2, Rotten Tomatoes score 68%, 8 from me, often plays Freddie Lowndes, a tabloid journalist who gets captured by the Red Dragon and tortured as a message and a threat. Yeah. And holy shit, is that one of the scariest scenes of I, my childhood. I had nightmares for weeks when Freddie gets tortured I still by do. the Red Dragon. Yeah. Still do, and revisiting it, it had been a while for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. He plays such a sleazy piece of shit, but Lo- then, when he, I love when he gets captured, it's because somebody's parked in his spot. Yeah. He's like, hey, yeah, yeah, asshole, yeah. you see the sign? <laughs> and he gets ca- he gets drugged. Oh, oh my gosh. Geez. He wakes up glued to a fucking chair, like an old wheelchair. And they really glued him. Like, PSH was like, yeah, glue me to the chair. Unbelievable. That's commitment right there. Jesus. And just, you can feel the fear in the room, the tension of like, oh my God, he got me. I'm, I'm trapped. He, Ugh. I'll be like, I don't know who you are. I don't know your name. I don't know what you look like. Just let me go. I won't say a word. Unsettling as oh, hell. Oh my god! And then he fucking bites his tongue out. So lights him on fire. Jesus Christ! So glad he's a part of this, this this world. Yeah, you know for sure. Just another awesome guy. And think about just already since the the movies we talked about. Think about how many awesome actors he's worked with. Yeah, and how many people have worked with him. You know, and I'm sure they all have stories. He's been uh, such a crucial part of so many incredible ensembles. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. He's worked with, you know, Emily Watson like three times. Julianne Moore like four times. Like it just yeah, people yeah. keep coming back up. Yep. It's awesome. Oof, Red Dragon. Oh. I like all three of the Hannibal Lecter movies. I think Hannibal does have some down you know, some down points. I get it. But you know, silence. Still a fan. Still amazing. Red Dragon, I think it's weird that Brett Ratner was able to make a better Lecter film than Ridley Scott was. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Sometimes that, these things just don't add up. All that rush hour experience helped him out, I guess. <laughs> 2002 was a busy year for Hoffman as he also appeared in Spike Lee's 25th Hour, 
which follows a convicted drug dealer on his last day of freedom before his sentence begins. The film also stars Edward Norton, Barry Pepper, Rosario Dawson, Anna Paquin, Brian Cox, and Tony Siragusa. It was directed by Spike Lee and based on the novel by David Benioff, one half of the uh, duo that fucked up Game of Thrones. Yeah. IMDb score 7.6, Rotten Tomatoes score 78%. I give this a 7. I had some story issues with this. Me too. Hoffman plays English teacher Jacob Ilinsky, who is lusting after one of his students that he meets ends up meeting at a nightclub. And his bit is the most interesting part of the movie. Yes. But it also gets completely snuffed out randomly in the third act to focus on Edward Norton. Yep. Which bummed me out. Very frustrating. Yeah. I, I wanted to choose it, yeah, because I think there's aspects there that are wonderful. Oh, yeah. And I think I think Spike Lee is another director. Just another guy that... Another auteur that PSH got to work with. Yeah. Unbelievable. And <laughs> that, like, PSH understood what he was going for. And, you know, yeah, again... Uh, the film, yeah, took took some... It, a, a lot of Spike Lee's work takes takes turns that I'm just not... It gets political. Yeah, and, much and, and just sometimes it doesn't add up. Yeah. Uh, Plot-wise, and I, uh, I would I would say that's for 25th Hour. But yes, PSH is the... Yeah, he's the silver lining. But the scene where he's in the nightclub and he goes for it, he kisses his student, scares the shit out of her. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's It gets... Shit gets uh, real really fast. Yes. And yes. you know that, like, the next day, he's losing his job and possibly going to get yeah. arrested. Ugh. He was just completely misreading the situation. And we never get to find out where that goes, like, how that ends up. Exactly. Which really sucks. I don't, it, was, it was good. I just, I think it could have been better. It oh, should have been yeah. better. It could have been a lot better, yeah. But again, he's never the problem. Next is one of Hoffman's least known works, but one of his best movies, 2003's Owning Mahoney, a biopic of a Canadian banker with a serious gambling addiction who embezzled millions from his bank to feed his addiction. It's based on the true story of Brian Maloney, but the name was changed due to its similarities with the then-Canadian Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney. (laughs) The film also stars Minnie Driver, John Hurt, Maury Chaikin, Ian Tracy, and Casey Collins. It was directed by Richard Kwiatkowski, IMDb score 7.1, Rotten Tomatoes score 79%, 8 from me, Offman stars as Dan Mahoney, banker and gambling fiend who embezzles millions and gambles it all away. So much fun. Hoffman was really good at playing addicts of any kind. Yes. For obvious reasons. Yeah. And his turn as a gambling addict is no different. He fucking steals this movie. This, ah man, owning Mahoney. Yeah. You let me borrow this a long time ago, like when we had first met. Yeah. And we both figured out that we both really like uh, PSH. <laughs> and that was one of the ones I hadn't seen, like I hadn't seen, one of the random ones, you know? And I was like, oh, I've, like, I've, I've seen it on IMDb. I've just never got my hands on it. Yeah. And it was like, you showed it to me, yeah, like over a year ago. And then I was like, I, w- I want to borrow it again, you know? And then I was like, I want to add it to the watch list for, <laughs> for this. It is a, a, it's a hidden gem. You it's really fun, have to hunt and, it's down. A, and it's a fucking fun ride because, yeah, you believe every move he's making. Because, yeah. yeah, you, like you said, he's good at playing an addict. But it's so sad because he, he, you know, he's up, he's so up, and he can't stop. And my favorite uh, part, my favorite scene of his is when he goes to his friend and says, like, here, this is my emergency yes. money. That guy's just playing slots? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do not give me this, no matter how much I beg for it, do not give me this. Yeah. Two hours later, he's going up to that guy, going, give me the money. I don't, see, I don't care what the fuck I said. Give me my money. It's my money. And he takes it from him. Because 
That's an that's an addict. Yes. There's no He has a problem. Nothing matters but the fix. And he says he says with a psychiatrist, he says in the film, um, I, I, you know, on a scale of one to one hundred, yeah, how, what is what's how big was the thrill you got from gambling? A hundred, and he's like, anything else in your life? What like what's the highest? Anything else in your life has given you twenty? Jesus, that's sad. It's one of the most depressing bits of dialogue I've ever heard. Yeah, he's like, are you okay with your? Life being nothing but 20 from now on. And he's like, yeah, he's not. Oh, no. He's never going to be happy again. No. You can't take, you can't make that kind of nosedive on the happiness index no. and ever be satisfied. Uh-uh. Yeah, this movie deserves to be seen by a lot more people. It made it on the Canadian festival circuit. Yes. Yeah, I was about to point that out. But of course it did. It never really took off in the States, but it's considered one of his best performances by a lot of uh, critics. I know Roger Ebert loved this movie. Yes. So yeah, definitely seek it out, and it's worth your time. Yeah, hundred percent. I love. I, I really, really like Owning Money. I would go as far as to say I would probably give it a nine. <laughs> his his performance is very, very strong. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad I I, I got turned on to that movie from my uncle, who is another huge. That doesn't surprise me. Fan. Yeah. He's got like his ear to the ground for indie film. Yeah. And he told me I should check that out, and yeah, I'm glad I did. Hoffman followed that with the film that would land him Oscar gold, 2005's Capote, a biopic of famed author Truman Capote during the time that he researched and wrote his true crime novel In Cold Blood. The film also stars Catherine Keener, Chris Cooper, Clifton Collins Jr., Mark Pellegrino, Bruce Greenwood, and Bob Balaban. It was based on the book by Gerald Clark and directed by Bennett Miller. Hoffman won Best Actor for playing Truman Capote. It was also... Nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress for Katherine Keener, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. IMDb score 7.3, Rotten Tomatoes 90%, 8 from me, and obviously Hoffman plays acclaimed and eccentric author Truman Capote. And he really disappeared into this performance, earned that Oscar. Yeah. And as we said earlier, he won on his first nomination. And this was his really, this was, Oni Mahoney and this were his first transitions into becoming a leading man. It took a while. He mostly did, you know, he was the supporting act, he was the supporting guy for most most of his career, but Capote, he was center stage and he stole the show. He stole that Oscar. Like it was crazy. There's no way in hell anyone had a chance. Yeah, no. He completely changed his voice, his mannerisms. He became Truman Capote. Yeah. He became Truman Capote like like same way like Christian Bale became John, uh, Dick Cheney, same way uh, Matthew McConaughey became Ron Woodruff, that kind of style, just voice, mannerisms, body, fit, hair, uh, gl- glasses, co- you know, outfit. But even beneath all that, that PSH intensity is still in there. Oh, yeah. Especially the scene where he confronts uh, Clifton Collins Jr. and uh, Mark Pellegrino right before their execution. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, he's falling apart he's horrified he's he's crying saying like i did everything i could and he he wants them to know like i tried to save you and he's so devastated and he really i think that's the scene that got him the oscar yeah it's oh it's unbelievable that's the one they showed yeah it's heartbreaking yeah wonderful film who's he up against i think look uh, it up joaquin phoenix for walk the line i remember that there you go um david strathairn good night and good luck 
Um, hmm. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah. It was a phenomenal role. Bennett Miller, another name who would go on to do, like, he'd become a... Oh, yeah. Really good at biopics. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see a Foxcatcher? Foxcatcher was crazy. It's a wild movie. Insane story. And then, uh, of course, Moneyball. Like, he... Yeah, he's good. <laughs> Bennett Miller's good. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. You you had them all. You had you said um, Joaquin for Walk the Line. Yep. And you said what was the other one you said? David Strathairn. Okay, and then there's two left. Okay. One of them's obvious, and could have won actually, like is close, like it's competitive. But then there's another one that's like nah. Terrence Howard, Hustle and Flow. Yeah, no. Yeah. But then there's another one. The other one. Ah, fuck. Um. Also deceased. Also deceased. Uh, Heath Ledger, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. Yep. And Estelle Mar. Yeah. Damn. Yep. That was his only real competition. Yeah. Here. Those two. Yeah. But I'm surprised. I mean, the Oscars have had a tie before. Mm-hmm. This, this could, for me, that would have been one of the times. Yeah. Jesus. That's tough. I, I just think when you, you play a real life author uh, and hero to a lot of people like that so perfectly. Well, I think that's, you know, a lot of, biopics win acting awards because there's mm-hmm. something to compare it to. Yeah. You yeah, can yeah. see like, oh, they became that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a fictional character, it's hard to really base. Well, we get to like celebrate Truman Capote's life because of that movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, but hey, I love both of them. I so. had, before watching that movie, I had no idea he was good friends with Harper Lee. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next is one of Hoffman's rare blockbuster films, but a performance that was too good to leave out. 2006's Mission Impossible 3, the third installment of the epic franchise that sees IMF agent Ethan Hunt come out of retirement to stop a dangerous arms dealer from getting his hands on a powerful weapon. The film also stars Tom Cruise, Michelle Monaghan, Billy Crudup, Ving Rhames, Lawrence Fishburne, Maggie Q, Jonathan Reese Myers, Simon Pegg, Carrie Russell, and Eddie Marson. It's part three of the ongoing six-part franchise based on the 1966 to 1973 TV series Mission Impossible. It was directed by J.J. Abrams, which caused him to leave the series Lost in the hands of Damon Lindelof, which changed the direction of the show. IMDb scores 6.9, Rotten Tomatoes scores 70%. Seven for me, I think, other than PSH, this movie's kind of a drag. Hoffman plays the sadistic villain Owen Davian, a ruthless arms dealer who completely dominates the movie and scares the absolute shit out of me. This movie kind of sucks. Yeah. But, oh, fuck. PSH, like, I'm, I'm going to find her. He's horrifying. And I'm going to hurt her. He's yeah. a goddamn demon in yeah, this he's, movie. he is crazy. Oh, pure evil. It's frightening. Like, unlike any villain in this franchise, like, he makes things really, like, way too real for us. Yeah, like, I want him in the movie the whole time. Yeah. Because all the other stuff is not good. It's like Anton Chigurh showing up in a Bond film. Like, not Javier Bardem, but that character. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like, it's out of place, and it makes you a little fright, like frightened. It's awesome. <laughs> but like we said, other than other than him, the movie is pretty bad. <laughs> the first three Mission Impossible suck. I yeah, I just that's not my kind of franchise. I guess I, I respect some of the, you know, the stunt work, and yeah. but four, five, and six were fucking awesome. There's yeah, there's some great stuff in those. Uh, they're but they're not they're not something I. Race to the theater to see, you know. Mission Impossible Fallout was one of my favorite films of 2018. 
I that one was really good. I that's really probably the best. That. That's probably the best one. Yeah. And then the fourth one, then the fifth. Yeah. Then the third. Then the second to the first, or the first and the second. Yeah, I think the this, second one sucks. The, the second worst. one is trash. When he has the long hair. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, nothing. That one is so bad. How did, directed by John Woo, too. Like, how does that get fucked up? Is it Doug uh, Ray Scott? Did he ruin that? I guess. I, I don't know, man. Yeesh. Trash. Well, yeah. PSH's next uh, run. We got some good movies. So. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Next up is the 2007 dramedy The Savages where two siblings are forced to confront reality when they must move their elderly dying father into a nursing home. The film also stars Laura Linney, Philip Bosco, Peter Friedman, David Zayas, Gabenga Akinagbe, and Kara Seymour. It was written and directed by Tamara Jenkins. It was nominated for two Oscars, Best Actress for Laura Linney and Best Original Screenplay. IMDb score 7.1, Rotten Tomatoes 89%. I give it an 8. Hoffman plays John Savage, a pretentious drama professor suffering from some unresolved issues with his father, which would happen a lot in his career. Yes. Uh, unresolved issues with his father. With people, yeah. With people. <laughs> and, yeah, he's great in this. His chemistry with Laura Linney is fantastic. They play, oh my they play siblings really well. She's incredible, She's man. awesome. Laura Linney's great in this. And uh, this movie's really good and really sad. <laughs> Extremely sad. Very thought-provoking. Yeah. Very feely. It's all... Makes all... you confront, like, how would you handle this situation? Yeah. Is it yeah. something we all are going to have to deal with at some point? Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, you think about it, like, you don't want to be the person who puts their, you know, their parents in a nursing home. But in the, at the same time, you don't have a lot of options sometimes. You know, you can't take care of them. Somebody else can't take care of them. And you don't, you don't want to see them as a burden, but you also want, you still want control over your own life. And they both play this, like, you know, warring mentality in their heads very well yeah especially since they're also they're also both really like pretentious uh writers slimy writers who are both like trying to one-up each other Mm -hmm. and they're lying about it and they're just like i wouldn't want to hang out with them oh hell no at all hell no (laughs) but they're fun to watch on the screen they are fun to watch on the screen and i love that even after winning oscar gold uh, PSH never, you know, he never left indie film. Oh, hell no. He stayed. It's in his blood, yeah. Like, Mission Impossible and, like, later the Hunger Games movies are, like, the only big budget like blockbusters he ever did. Yeah. That was rare for him. Mm-hmm. Next, we have what I believe to be Hoffman's greatest performance, 2007's Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, which follows two brothers who conspire to rob their parents' jewelry store for a quick buck, but then things go horribly wrong. The film also stars Ethan Hawke, Marissa Tomei, Albert Finney, Michael Shannon, Brian F. O'Byrne, Alexa Palladino, Amy Ryan, and Rosemary Harris. It was directed by the legendary Sidney Lumet. It would be his last film. IMDb score 7.3, Rotten Tomatoes score 88%, 8 from me. Hoffman plays Andy Hansen, oldest brother who plans the heist and has a serious cocaine addiction, among other vices. And holy shit, this movie was a huge surprise for me. I never, I had heard about it. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know who was involved. And I was glued to the screen the entire time, especially the scene where he, he falls apart in the car. That is the greatest bit of acting Hoffman ever did for me. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't argue with that. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Incredibly got to work with Sidney Lumet before yeah, he retired yeah. and then later died. 
Is he a great chemistry with Ethan Hawke? Incredible chemistry. His brothers. Yeah. The scene where they, you know, rob the drug dealer. Oh Holy my shit. Gosh. The tension racked up to 11. But again, that scene in the car where he, you know, freaks out about his father apologizing to him, saying, you know, he doesn't get to do that. He doesn't get to say he's sorry and it's all better now. He's angry, but he's so sad and he just wants to be loved by his father. Yeah. But he hates his father and he's guilty about what he did to their mother. And it's fuck, man. Oh, there's no, yeah, nowhere to turn. It's all just coming out. Yeah. It's not, it's not fair. It's crazy, man. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I knew he was great, but Christ. I didn't know he was, yeah, could transcend into, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, this movie, yeah, blows my mind. I really, really enjoy it. I hope after Sydney yelled cut, there was a fucking standing O on that set. My God. PSH. Yeah, quite possibly his greatest hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Anything else you want to add about Before the Devil Knows You're Dead? I'm going to keep watching it, that's for sure. That's <laughs> that, that's one of these that I, yeah, I, I would say it's one of my f- five, probably five favorite uh, of these. Knocks me, knock, knocked me off my feet. I yeah. forgot, and I, I had seen it years ago, but I didn't know what I was watching, you know? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, this time around. Wow, rocked. Yeah, this movie rocked me. And I, I, like, love the plot. I think it's a great, fun, like... It's a great whoa. idea. <clears throat> and then you add the characterization and the, the performance, the execution for PSH. And Especially, you know, going there playing a drug addict. Exactly, exactly. It's one thing for, yeah, that to be like, oh, you know, like, to read that. Like, oh, that's a good story. But then, yeah, like, you throw a guy like that who's... You believe it because it's true. Like, he actually has been in that, that life, in that setting before. It's uh, pretty, pretty dark, but also a pleasure for us to watch because oh, yeah. it's true. It's fucking true art. You know? And I love the title. It comes from an Irish, uh, proverb. May you be in heaven before several the- hours before the devil knows you're dead. Mm-hmm. That's a great, Oh, I want to do something with that. I don't know what, but I love Doc saints four. <laughs> <laughs> Next is another biopic. 2007's Charlie Wilson's war. What a year. Yeah. No, the true story of Congressman Charlie Wilson. <clears throat> who teamed up with a rogue CIA agent in the 80s to secretly arm the Afghan rebels and fight off the Russians in Afghanistan. The film also stars Tom Hanks, Amy Adams, Julia Roberts, John Slattery, Dennis O'Hare, and Ned Beatty. It was directed by Mike Nichols, written by Aaron Sorkin, and based on the book by George Krill. It was nominated for one Oscar, Best Supporting Actor, for Philip Seymour Hoffman. IMDb score 7.0, Rotten Tomatoes 82%, 8 from me, Hoffman plays Maverick CIA agent Gust Avracados, who takes on the Afghan project because he's disgruntled and pissed that he was passed over for a promotion. And holy shit, was this hilarious. Because of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just the scene where he's freaking out on John Slattery because he didn't get the finish. Because he's the, pissed. Like, director position. <laughs> I spent several months learning finish, which should got to come in handy here in Virginia. <laughs> oh my God. Fuck you, you fucking child. (laughs) After breaking his window again. (laughs) That's that's it right there. Fuck you, you fucking child. That's it. That's the the quote. Oh my God. Gust. I love it. (laughs) The little jabs he has with Tom Hanks throughout. It's it's so perfect. Yeah. He was just, yeah, this is one of my top five favorites. Favorite roles. Favorite roles? Yeah. Yeah, man. I I can't argue that. Oh, oh fucking hilarious. This movie gets like 
I don't think gets enough credit. This is a really fun movie. Aaron Sorkin is so talented He's, yeah. at taking a story that is so dull and turning it into must-watch film. Because, yeah, his writing is, yeah. He's the fucking best. Exquisite. He wrote The Social Network, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Moneyball. Yeah. God damn, man. Yeah. West, the West Wing. You know, yeah, he, he made it a TV show that says that. Yeah. Whew. Jesus. He's so good at this. Next, we've got arguably the strangest and most contentious film on this list, 2008's Synecdoche, New York, which follows the life of a playwright as he builds a life-size replica of New York City inside an impossibly large hangar and struggles with relationships and reality. The film also stars Samantha Morton, Michelle Williams, Catherine Keener, Emily Watson, Diane Weist, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Hope Davis, and Tom Noonan. It was written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. IMDb score 7.6, Rotten Tomatoes score 68%. Six for me, I didn't like this. Hoffman plays uh, Caden Cotard, a playwright who may or may not be dying and is constantly struggling with what's going on around him. And I don't even know where to fucking start with Synecdoche, New York. Neither do I. This was a weird movie. I, yeah, I don't quite understand it. It's um, Kaufman's first, it's his directorial debut. He's obviously a great writer. Um Adaptation, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Animal Lisa, uh, being John Malkovich, you know, all those. He, uh, directing, not really his game. Nah, this is... Uh, this movie has has no direction. There's no coherent story at all. Uh, performance is good, but yeah, it, it... But Hoffman Shines is probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> yep, again, 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 yeah. Again, I, I'm with you. I give it like a six or a seven, and it's like, that's, PSH is a ten, you know? Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's great as being a confused. Yeah, like he just keeps like having sex with all these amazing actresses. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Is he even? Is anything in this movie really happening? I'm not sure. Oh my god. How not long sure. is it? Is it like? Does it take twenty years or is it a weekend? Like, what is going on? <laughs> this movie makes no sense. This is like the one movie on this list that for sure will not be a future episode because honestly, I can't deal with this again. <laughs> Oh, well, what What do you talk about? What would we do? I don't know. We can't do it right now. No. There's not a lot to talk about beyond PSH. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a very strange That's the movie. only reason I would choose it is because it's PSH. <laughs> it's a broad... It, it's such a weird role. Like, it, it shows how far... And like you said, he, his commitment to the indie genre is, like, fascinating. It is. It's like, dude, you could have been in, like, a Tarantino movie or something. God. And you're doing this? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what he, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm just throwing a director out there. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of directors who sought him out. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm doing this movie with Charlie Kaufman, you know. I can see him in a Tarantino role. I can see that. Oh, Jesus. Holy hell. <laughs> yeah, I know. So much well, uh, yeah, potential. You got robbed. We did. Next is a brilliant religious drama, 2008's Doubt, which follows a strict nun's crusade to bring down a priest she believes has molested a young boy in their parish, with no proof. The film also stars Meryl Streep, Amy Adams, Viola Davis, Joseph Foster, Lloyd Clay Brown, and Mike Rukas. It was written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, and it was based on his play of the same name. The film was nominated for five Oscars, Best Actress for Meryl Streep, Best Supporting Actor for Philip Seymour Hoffman, Best Supporting Actress for Amy Adams, Best Supporting Actress for Viola Davis, and Best Adapted Screenplay. IMDb score 7.5, Rotten Tomatoes score 80%, 8 from me. Hoffman plays Father Brendan Flynn, a kind, progressive priest who may or may not be a child predator. And this is such a brilliant film. Because you never know. 
Yeah, and it's great. It was a play, and it, it's like a very that's a very apparent, it's very obvious. It's yeah. like just bam, bam, me and you. But to see Meryl Streep and Phyllis Seymour Hoffman on screen together, to see Meryl Streep and Violet Davis walking together, that's that's probably my favorite scene in the movie. I love PSH, but Violet Davis got a nomination because of that scene. That's the only scene she's in. Yeah, is that scene from sitting down and her telling her about like what she thinks, and she's like. I need to go to work. And she's like, can I walk with you? And that's when she's like, all right, you're, I think your son's being, being molested. But then she doesn't care. She's like, I well, know. We still, she's, she's like being good to him. Yeah. She's like, we have to get to June. That, that just shows how Jesus. ridiculous the racism was and how, what she had to do for her son just to like stay in school. Hor- horrendous. But PSH. It's an interesting role because <sighs> you can watch this two ways. You can watch this as he's a good man being railroaded or he's a monster hiding in plain sight. Yeah. He's being railroaded. That's what you think? I think that too. Definitely being railroaded. But is that because we like him so much? No, I think at the end when Meryl Streep breaks down and says, I have my doubts. I think that's like her saying, like, I admit, like, maybe I was just, maybe it was my own flaw. Maybe it was my own personal, you know, vendetta. My God. And it really, it really as a film is hard to like see why. Why is she so upset with this guy? Why? Why does she have a vendetta against him? Because he wants to bring the church into the 21st century. Yeah, yeah, he wants yeah, yeah, he wants to go into like the new age. Yeah, he wants to actually be like a good kind church. He wants them to be kind. And she is very much Old Testament. Yeah. And that kind of shit clashes and if she sees an opportunity to get him out of there, she's going to take it. Yeah. There's motive there. Like for her to be lying about this. And she wants to be in charge too, you know. Yeah, she wants to be the top dog. He threatens her power. Yeah. It's Meryl Streep, man. And then Amy Adams is caught in the middle of all this shit. And she's great, too. Yeah. Everybody's great. But I love how they show... This movie is, like, for actors. This is a movie mostly about humanity, about how, you know, flawed even the religious perfect people are, you know, the nuns and the priests. Yeah. Because, you know, Amy Adams has moments where she flips out. You know, she freaks out on the kids. Meryl Streep is constantly harassing everybody. Yes. And even, even, you know, Father Flynn, while attempting to be good... It, he might have a, 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 another agenda. We don't know. We're never told. And I love that. It leaves this movie open for discussion. To, have, to have your doubts. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the only person who knew, like that John Patrick Shanley told, was Philip Seymour Hoffman. So he could develop his character the way he wanted. Which is great. Fantastic. Because I, I, I kind of, I want to know, but I also kind of don't. Because I don't want to know. I don't want to yeah, find no. out he's a monster. Yeah. Oh, fantastic movie. Yes, it is. Next is the hilarious and underrated Pirate Radio from 2009, also known as The Boat That Rocked in the UK. This film tells the story of a group of misfits aboard a boat off the English coast who are broadcasting rock and roll 24-7 from international waters because at the time, in the mid-60s, rock radio was illegal in the UK. The film also stars Bill Nye, Reese Evans, Nick Frost, Kenneth Branagh, Tom Sturridge, Reese Darby, Jack Davenport, Tom Brooke, Chris O'Dowd, Ralph Brown, and Emma Thompson. Woo! IMDb score 7.4. Rotten Tomatoes score of 61%, which seems low to me. I give it an 8. Hoffman plays the Count, the American king of rock radio who was threatened when his enigmatic predecessor returns. And this is such a great ensemble British comedy. Love Pirate Radio. Like one of the best soundtracks in film history and gets no credit. Not a lot of people know about this one, which really bums me out, especially since PSH is so charming in this movie. Yeah, it didn't do so hot in theaters. Um, And yeah, I I, I think a big part of that is it's known by like eight different titles in eight different countries. (laughs) 
That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I I think it would be it should be a hit. I really do. Damn straight. I think it should be one of those uh, one of those companies that makes like you know makes its makes its money. You know, for sure. And, for sure. And everybody remembers it. Like looks back in the year, like yeah, Pirate Radio is fun. That's how I think of it anyway. I look back in two thousand nine. I think of that one in Adventureland as my two. The two uh, comedies that I really liked from that year. And, sure. and yeah, people just don't think that way or people didn't see it or people don't care about it. Awesome storytelling. Uh, very, you know, very true to the, to what was actually going on in England at the time where there's people who actually, this is real, you know? <laughs> I adore British filmmaking. I yeah, think, me too. Like they're especially British comedies. Yes. And I love that Philip Seymour Hoffman thrives. Yeah, in this, like, of course, he's the he only does. American in the cast. Of course, he does. Yeah. He's fucking brilliant. He fits in with them perfectly. So wonderful. God. Well, and you know, all those British guys are like, ah, oh, it's PSH. He's fine. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, he's clear. <laughs> he's clear. He's not American. He's clear. I love that. There's a character in this movie named Twat. I, I love that. I love pirate radio. <laughs> so unfortunate. There's so many like. I'm like belting out laughing in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so many moments. Uh, <laughs> and like you said, the soundtrack alone carries yeah. it. When the Count and Gavin climb up the tower to yes. like prove their manhood. Yes. And they're both like, why did we do this? This is the Count. <laughs> when he goes down with the fucking ship. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. He's giving that speech. Mm, beautiful. Inspirational. Extremely. Rock and roll, baby. Next is Hoffman's directorial debut and sadly the only film he'd direct, 2010's Jack Goes Boating, which follows a lonely limo driver who falls for his blind date just as his best friend's marriage disintegrates. The film also stars Amy Ryan, John Ortiz, and Daphne Rubin Vega. It's based on the stage play of the same name by Robert Glaudini, a play that Hoffman had performed many times. IMDb score 6.4, Rotten Tomatoes score 68%, 8 from me, Hoffman, in addition to directing, plays Jack, a limo driver with poor social skills, who falls in love with Connie, who is just as weird and off-putting. And this was way under the radar. This went nowhere. Yeah, this is this is one of the ones that I, I hadn't seen a lick of, you know, before we did this. Yeah. I knew that he had directed a film. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know that he was, like, the star in it, you know, that whole thing. And I, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed this movie. Um, very low-key, very... Very sad. It's very extremely sad. It's emotionally draining. Jack goes boating. Yeah, there's moments where you're like, just kind of. It's like his happiness is sucking the happiness out of his best friend's marriage. Yes, it's really sad. Yes, but at the same time, they are terrible together because they keep cheating on each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why would you stay together after all that shit? Exactly. Like, who are you staying together for? Oh man, I think they're just afraid to be alone. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's like a lot of yeah, like the whole dinner party scene, which oh is the crux gosh. of the movie. Oh Jesus, when he freaks out and my one gripe with this is his hair is fucking disgusting. Phillips, yeah, yeah, that's my one like I I couldn't look at his hair; it was revolting. I hate white guy dreadlocks <laughs> so much. It is the most disgusting hairstyle you can have. I don't get why people do that to themselves. <laughs> Fair it's, enough, man. Ugh. Fair enough. God, but I like how he's always listening to reggae. Yes. He's just like laid back, but he doesn't know how to talk to people. I get that. I found myself relating to Jack a lot when I was watching this. I'm like, fuck. I, I got introspective. <laughs> you got to stop this. Yeah, I like, Jesus, I got to talk to people. 
I don't want to end up a lonely limo driver with white guy dreads. <laughs> Talking to a guy who like, yeah, has a terrible marriage. Yeah. If I ever try white guy dreads, I want you to kick my ass or shoot me or something. No. Wake my ass I'm up. I'm going to let it happen. My God. You are no real friend if you let that happen to me. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. my God. <laughs> I like Jack Goes Boating, though. I think Me it, too. It needs an audience. Yeah, Never yeah. found one. Yeah, I would say the one the, that one and Owning Mahoney are the ones I want to like share like yeah. big time with people. Absolutely. I definitely want people to check out. Next is a movie I thought I'd find boring, but absolutely loved. 2011's Moneyball. Should have won Best Picture. <laughs> what was that? The Artist, right? 2011. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, should have is a tough word. <laughs> you know, because it's like all subjective, but... I wish Moneyball would have won. <laughs> that would have been cool. Moneyball is the true story of Oakland A's baseball manager, Billy Bean, who used the experimental statistical analysis of a Yale grad intern to craft a winning baseball team on a budget. Bean's formula would later be adopted by nearly every team in the league. The film also stars Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill, Chris Pratt, Robin Wright, Stephen Bishop, Ken Medlock, and Karis Dorsey. The film is directed by Bennett Miller and was based on the book Moneyball, the Art of Winning an Unfair Game by Michael Lewis. It was nominated for six Oscars. Best Picture, Best Actor for Brad Pitt, Best Supporting Actor for Jonah Hill, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. IMDb score, 7.6. Rotten Tomatoes score, 94%. I give this a 9. Fucking love this. Yeah, man. So close to a 10. <laughs> Just one of the best sports movies. Maybe oh. the best. Oh, it's hell yeah. so good. Often plays Art Howe, the disgruntled coach of the Oakland A's, who repeatedly refuses to play the A's the way Billy Bean intends, causing them to constantly lose. It is a really contentious character, but I get it. Yeah. You know, he doesn't believe in this. Nobody believes in this. Mm-hmm. This on paper, this shouldn't work. Yeah, I love I love PSH as art how he comes up towards the beginning of the film and he tells him, like, I can't operate under uh, the contract that you have me. Saying, like, you need I need I need the job security. Yeah. And it's so interesting to watch in professional sports because you're like all these guys are divas. They're all just like making millions and millions of dollars and they all complain about it. And here, <laughs> here's Art Howe, a manager who's like, no, like I need, I need that job security. Cause like I need to take care of my family. And it's like t- totally valid. Totally, totally fine. I love stuff like that. It's that's fucking Sorkin. And it's, you, did you see who else wrote this? Who else? <laughs> take a guess. Sorkin and Steve Zalian. <laughs> Oh fuck! Really, Steve yeah. Zalian? I didn't realize they did it together. Yeah. Shit. So yeah, you got two of like the most talented guys of the past twenty years in movies, you know, and they they make they make these like little transactions and these little conversations between these normal baseball workers. Super fascinating. Yeah. Super fascinating. And PSH isn't in a lot, but very effective as usual. You fucking hate him. And he looks just like him. Like, I looked up pictures and you're like, oh my God, dude. Like, he just, he just, he dissolves into everything, you know? Well, he's, he's a thorn in their side. Because Billy knows this can work. Yes. But it only works if you play the team correctly. You play their strengths. And at the end of the day, he's the manager. He's the coach of the team, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, Art Howe just, oh, I hate it. And the way that he finally convinces Art to do this right is he fires their star player. Yes. And like, shit, man. And, but it works. They become the most winningest team in baseball. Yeah. Which is great. Go to the playoffs. I yeah. love it. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I love the scene where Billy Bean walks in on the, uh, the A's, like, celebrating after a loss. He's like, why are you celebrating? Like, does it feel good to lose? 
like five, and he just freaks out. I love it. So good. Awesome movie. Fantastic movie. Even if you don't like baseball, check it out. It doesn't matter. It's I so don't good. like baseball. I, I love, don't either. I love sports, but I don't like baseball. I, I love movies. I love Aaron Sorkin, and I love Brad Pitt. <laughs> so give me that, and I'm in. And Jonah Hill is awesome in this, Yeah, he's too. great. <laughs> Scored his first Oscar nomination for this. Yeah. I can't believe Jonah Hill has two Oscar nominations. Just yeah, yeah. On, his, on his side here. Who would have thought? I know. The chubby kid from Superbad yeah. would be a multi-Oscar nominee. And, and a director. And a director. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows, man? He just, he just signed a contract. He's like, he teamed up with Adidas. Like Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill is like with Adidas now and is like going to do promoting, you're going to promote stuff with them. I'm like, what okay. on earth? All right, That's sure. great. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him, man. He's <laughs> raking in the fucking money. That's fantastic. I never would have thought. It's a weird I, partnership. I, I know. I know. <laughs> it's like he makes a skating movie, works with Adidas now. She's like, man, this guy. <laughs> Changing his entire reputation. Is he going to run for Congress, too? Like, what the fuck? Fucking A. <laughs> Fucking A. Finally, we have Hoffman's last great film before his untimely death. Once again, with Paul Thomas Anderson, 2012's The Master. What follows a violent loner as he becomes a crucial piece of a budding new religion slash cult called The Cause. The film also stars Joaquin Phoenix, Amy Adams, Rami Malek, Jesse Plemons, Laura Dern, and Amber Childers. It was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. While the film is a thinly veiled look at the origins of Scientology and its founder, L. Ron Hubbard, it's not expressly said, so therefore it isn't really, but it is. Yes. It was nominated for three Oscars, Best Actor for Joaquin Phoenix, Best Supporting Actor for Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Best Supporting Actress for Amy Adams. IMDb score, 7.2. Rotten Tomatoes score, 85%. Eight from me. Hoffman plays Lancaster Dodd the charismatic but intimidating leader of the cause who is quick to anger if anyone disagrees with him or challenges his word. Regrettably, it would be at the rap party for the master that Hoffman broke his sobriety streak and had his first drink in 22 years. It's likely this led directly to his relapse. <sighs> That's a bummer. Yeah. But this is a hell of a movie. <sighs> a hell of a performance. <laughs> Lancaster Dodd is a fucking villain straight up he's manipulative he's insane he's evil at times it's really like remarkable he's the pig fuck (laughs) (laughs) he is definitely the pig fuck yeah yeah go ahead i know you've got a lot you want to say about the master love the master i love here we are again paul thomas anderson this is it yeah like you said this led to him um picking up alcohol again which I read up more on because you had shared that with me, and I didn't really know that. Uh, ah, makes the film a little bit darker, so it does. Yeah. Because in the film, you know, of course, there's plenty of scenes where uh, Freddie Quell, Joaquin's character, and him are drinking together, very strong drinks. And you just get the sense that this, this isn't necessarily acting for them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, that's... Ah. That's kind of what you get. That's what, especially if you're a fan of movies so much, and you, you sometimes sacrifice knowing exactly what the artist is sacrificing to make that movie. I have no idea. I have no idea what was going on on set. That that movie was probably fucking hell. Like I would be more comfortable if it was like I'm gonna drink to get into character, as opposed to at the rap party. Someone's like, "Hey, you know, have a drink with me." It's the end of the movie. Yeah. If that's the case. My heart's broken. 
because that's that's horrifying. But if it's like I need to understand Lancaster Dodd in order to do that, I yeah. have to have a drink. I see. I can't. I he, can't validate that because there's so many characters he's played while sober. That's true. Because I'm with you. I'm with that's you. I, I totally get like being in the character. I get it. But when it comes to your like life and death, and you know you have an addiction, I, I'll say myself. I when I first turned 21, I I went I went through a pretty severe stretch where I was drinking heavily every single day and it was bad and I it put me in the hospital um it cost me a lot of money <laughs> shit man uh back in 2017 I was I, I was in the hospital because of I drank too much and there's you know that the doctor's like hey man you need to go to AA that sort of that sort of thing and I I haven't really ever shared that with anybody until now. <laughs> wow. Uh, PSH is like huge for me because he like proved that you can like work and be creative and give that stuff up. And so, yeah, this is like, it's like heartbreaking for like one of my heroes and one of those guys that I'm like, oh, he like has gone through hell and come back and like stayed there, you know, and worked and been the best. Like, yeah, so I don't even, I don't really even want to think about it especially if someone offered it to him knowing his past, which who doesn't know his past? Was it a cast member? Was it a crew member? Was it someone, you know, who's giving, like you said, I, I don't know. Might have been nobody. He might have just who knows? gotten in such a dark place. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But, huh, with all, yeah, with all that said, you know, he, he's so fucking good in The Master that, Bah, like I've never, never seen someone with like a final piece. Like he left us before he passed away or like you said, like, like, like led to his death creatively. And actually like the, there's, there's a finality to it of like this started a, a whirlwind, you know, and he's here. He is in his forties, like living, you know, doing his thing. He's an Oscar winner. He's in movies right and left. He's got, you know, he's doing fine. He's got three kids, three kids, man, you know, and 46 years old and, just can't, couldn't handle whatever demons he was trying to fight. And that's, uh, that's fucking demoralizing. Yeah. And I, I just feel, feel, I feel, I feel horrible for his family. Always have, always have. And I feel horrible for whoever actually knows what happened because we don't, he was so secretive about his own life. Uh, like you said, like he said, it's more interesting to see what I do. If you don't know anything about me, what a fascinating way to live and think. Um, but that's probably what it took to be one of the greats is it took that kind of privacy and always just putting it out there on the screen. And then, you know, I guess whatever's going off the screen just wasn't good. You know, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to think about. I don't think we can, I don't think it's demoralizing. I think that we don't know. It's demoralizing that, to think that if someone almost encouraged it, well, we don't know if that's what we happened. don't, we don't, but we do know on the internet, there are stories about it happening at a, party it's just like my mind wanders my mom yeah. my mind definitely wanders but it does it doesn't but i'm not gonna blame any of course like, we can't. know the man's we know the man had struggles with addiction we yes. don't know his demons day of the day we don't yeah. know what haunted him no we don't know what drove him to finally break that sobriety and until we do i think we just you know even after we do we remember the good stuff we remember yeah. these incredible performances he gave us the art yeah. that's never gonna go away we'll always have the art and I'm grateful for that every single day. Very grateful. 
super grateful for uh, all these movies and, and then more the ones that we haven't talked about and uh, I'm grateful for his quotes I'm grateful for his best Oscar I'm, for his best actor speech I watch it all the time I'm grateful for his input on documentaries I'm grateful for his appearances on podcasts before he passed away and how how vulnerable and transparent he was when you actually got to talk to him. I'm know? grateful for the generation of actors he inspired. Yeah. And I'm great. Yeah. I'm grateful for whatever kid is watching big Lebowski. Now I'm grateful for, for what he's done for my life. Uh, he's like a bit, yeah, he's, he's a big, you know, I've, I, you know, I, I haven't had a sip of alcohol in like three months or so, which I had it. I, I had it sort of under control, but I came to a point where I was like, I need to stop completely for my own. I want to beat it. I want to beat this thing. And I can only beat it if I stop completely like a hundred percent. I'm a pretty extreme person. So it's either all in or all out. Yeah. So I, I consciously chose I'm all out. I'm done. And he's been a big, he's been a big influence. You know, like guys like that. I look at guys like that. Uh, I took Joaquin's speech very seriously when he said, don't cancel out people because of their past. Um, I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of talking shit about people who are passed away who have passed away, who maybe had a shady past. So what? I don't know them, you know? And like you said, let's focus on the good, especially if they're an artist. Let's focus on their art. That's what PSH gave us. He gave us plenty. I feel like it's what he would want. Work. Yeah. He sacrificed so much for the art yeah. that he would want us to focus on that. And watch it. Yeah. And watch it. Never Actually forget watch it. it. And celebrate it. I think he would be grateful of what we're doing right now. I think he would, he would find this enjoyable and entertaining and reflective or at least yeah, I hope. and kind yeah because I, yeah, I have nothing bad to say about the guy absolutely not um i'll continue watching movies over and over and over i'll see the ones that you know i haven't seen there's a few like you said he has around like 60 credits uh i uh, my mind continually will always go to the place of like what would he have done you know, we, we said that plenty of times on this podcast, but just who have you worked with? Yeah. What, what, what would he have been like, oh man, I want to be, with, I want to go work with Damien Giselle, you know, like younger, yeah. new guy, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Just all that stuff. Cause he's 46. Like an actor can go forever. You know, an actor can go from age 15 to 75. Yeah. Christopher Plummer's in his mid eighties. Yeah. Still yeah. Working. Yeah. So like he, potentially PSH had, you know, 30, 40 years of work of art to, to, to give us and, that's a selfish way of looking at it, but that's how I'm always going to look at it because I love art and I love consuming the shit out of it. Well, that's the side of the man we all knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how, that's who I know. Is, yeah. I, I know, I know the, yeah, I know the, the actor. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the best. He's my favorite. <laughs> well, that's 20 of our favorite Philip Seymour Hoffman films. Again, if we missed any at all that you wanted to hear us discuss, please let us know and we'll For update sure. in the future. Philip Seymour Hoffman would have a supporting role in the Hunger Games movies as well as star in the films God's Pocket and A Most Wanted Man before he was found dead on February 2nd, 2014, of a massive overdose of heroin, cocaine, and amphetamines. Cinema was never the same again, as it had lost one of its greatest champions. Who knows what else Hoffman would have gone on to do. He likely would have won another Oscar, worked with Paul Thomas Anderson on many more projects, done so many in independent projects and might not ever see the light of day without the involvement of an actor of his caliber. It's a damn shame. And that's our retelling of some of the highlights of the career of the most talented character actor to ever step in front of a camera. We hope you enjoyed looking back at his career, and more so, we hope you have some movies to watch now that you know a little something <laughs> about them. 
Before we discuss what happened this week in film, I'd like to make an announcement about the podcast moving forward. Yes. So this is our 50th episode, not counting the 38 bonuses we've got in the bag. From here on out, we won't be doing any more bonuses. Instead, we'll still Hold be- on. Yeah. No more bonuses? No more bonuses. <laughs> what does that mean, Connor? Well, I'll tell you what it means, Austin. <laughs> Instead, we'll be doing at least two, sometimes three episodes a week. But the Friday and Sunday bonuses will now just be episodes like the Wednesday horror movie ones. We're doing this for a number of reasons. One, we started this as a podcast exclusive to horror movies, with every fifth episode being a bigger subject. But as we've started introducing the bonus episodes, most of which are non-horror films, we've realized that we want to use this podcast to talk about every kind of movie. We are going to do, we're still going to do a different horror movie every Wednesday, a non-horror movie with some kind of thematic connection to that horror movie every Friday, and a new release or a top 10 as often as we can on Sundays. As for Weird Shit Wednesday, it won't be every fifth episode anymore. It'll be completely random whenever we feel like we've prepped enough for it. Yes, which is which is good for everybody involved. Yeah. It's good for us because we can actually uh, feel strongly about the work we've put in yeah. for each episode. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we're, we're just not feeling rushed. That's no. like That's a good thing. Like with John Wayne and Roman Polanski, we had to cut a lot of films for time. And we, we had, and we were both like, oh man, like our brains were... Fried. Yeah. Like completely gone. Spacing PSH out over three months gave us a chance to watch other stuff. Exactly. And actually enjoy these films. Yeah, so we plan on still doing Judy. And when will that be? That's next, yeah, next month, Judy. Yeah. But then after that, we're going to, I think we're going to talk about when we exactly want to do them. They'll be, yep. they'll be random. Weird It'll shit be Wednesdays. Random. They'll be random, yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> so stay on your toes, listeners. The content ain't changing. It's just getting tighter for us. Thanks for sticking with us this long. So now that we got that out of the way, let's take a look at what went down this week in film. Indeed. First up, there were a number of famous deaths this week, regrettably. Character actor Orson Bean was killed when he was struck by two cars in a row. Bean had appeared in such films as Anatomy of a Murder, Being John Malkovich, Inner Space, and more recently, The Equalizer 2. He was 91 years old. So he got hit by a car, and then the car behind the, that car run, ran him over. <sighs> Holy shit. Like he was fuck? just walking down the streets of New York, and he got plowed by two cars. God. Unbelievable. Why? TV veteran actor Robert Conrad died at age 84 from heart failure. He was the star of The Wild Wild West from 1965 to 1969, playing the role of Jim West, a role that would later be played by Will Smith in a god-awful action comedy in 1999. For you Christmas movie fans, Conrad was also the accident-prone cop in Jingle All the Way. Oh, that's a shame. I liked him a lot. Oh, yeah. Me too. Wicked, wicked, wild, wild. <laughs> we can't bring that up without... Wicked, wicked. That's such a bad movie, but I love watching it. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I had that on, um, I had taped it off of TV when I was a kid. Like a, like a tape that I taped off like HBO or something. Jesus. It was half Wild Wild West and half, I think, the 1998 Godzilla movie. Oh, Lord. With Matthew Broderick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there was that, like the two worst movies of the late 90s I had on tape. <laughs> and, oh, that's great. Worst or best? Well, we'll find out because there's no way in hell we don't do those movies. Yeah, yeah, true. And of course, legendary, highly respected American badass Kirk Douglas passed away at 103 years old. 
Douglas had been nominated for three Oscars in his career for his performances at 1949's Champion, 1952's The Bad and the Beautiful, and 1956's Lust for Life. In addition, he starred in such iconic films as Spartacus, Ace in the Hole, The Vikings, and Paths of Glory. He was one of the last survivors of classic Hollywood, and he will be missed. Oh, yes. Hung in there. Absolute, 103. Absolute Jesus legend. Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paths of Glory. Impressive life, yeah. I love that movie so much. It's oh, one of my favorite war it's movies. incredible, yeah. His performance is unbelievable. <sighs> Spartacus? Come on. Spartacus is fucking great. Come on. Next, Maggie Gyllenhaal has been cast in the upcoming Elvis Presley biopic as Elvis's mother, Gladys Presley. The film is currently titled Elvis, and will be directed by Baz Luhrmann. The cast currently includes Tom Hanks, Olivia DeLong, and Austin Butler as Elvis Presley. Hey. So, this is shaping up to be a very interesting movie. Hell yeah. I heard Tom Hanks is playing like a villain. I'm in. Uh, Elvis's first manager who like fucked him over. That would be very interesting. Finally, Sam Raimi is in talks to direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness for Marvel. Raimi is, of course, the director of the Evil Dead trilogy, as well as the early 2000s Spider-Man trilogy, proving he's got a great track record with superheroes. And I think he's a fantastic choice for Doctor Strange 2, which you're already saying is going to be a little bit more, you know, horror movie. Edgy, yeah. Edgy. Not yeah, yeah. too much, because Scott Derrickson got fired for that. Yes. But enough. And since it's a multiverse movie people are saying like oh is toby Maguire gonna make a cameo as spider-man <laughs> which would be awesome but i would bet n- no way <laughs> no i don't think so i don't think Tobes is yeah thinks he i think he's done he's done pretty much with everything when was the last time he did anything yeah, exactly yeah i heard he's a nightmare <laughs> yeah not surprising thanks for listening everybody we hope you enjoyed today's episode uh we might have a friday f- episode for you this week And we are going to have an episode for you on Sunday discussing the highs and lows of the recent Academy Awards. Check out our post-Oscars 2020 episode this Sunday. Do not forget Philip Seymour Hoffman and the incredible performances he gave all of us. Though he may be gone, the work will never die. Until next time, listeners. Peace. (laughs) 